Hello everyone, Titus O'Reilly here. As you may know by now, we have a membership program, Bazaar Plus, and it's very easy to join. Just go to the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bazaarplus.com. That's Bazaar Plus, our membership program. We'd love to have you on board. It's Sports Bazaar. This is where the trouble starts. It's like a party switch has flicked off. We're not here for a haircut. The hunt for the weirdest. You're blowing my mind. I can't keep it. You fact check this. There is no logic to any of what's going to happen. Strangers. Wow. This is outrageous. Not for the ages. Things are just going to get sillier and sillier. No red flags there. Most unbelievable. Volatile. Erratic. Simple. And clinically insane. Stories to ever occur. There's a lot of our stories that start with someone being money lenders. This is not the perfect preparation. In the world of sport. This is the opposite of perfect preparation. <laughs> this is the worst. Sports Bazaar. Yeah, were you saying horse whipped as in he was actually horse whipped? Yeah, uh, he said there's only one thing for it. I ordered hair of the dog. <laughs> a rabble of vagrants, drunkards, ruffian brawlers and gambling desperada. So like the Sports Bazaar audience. <laughs> it's time for the leaders of the hunt. Inept at best and corrupt at worst. <laughs> it's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Welcome back to the latest episode of Sports Bazaar. I'm Mick Malloy. I'm with Titus O'Reilly. He's bringing the story. Let's just get straight to it. We're in the second part of a two-parter about Lucky Baldwin. Baldwin, yeah. who, correct me if I'm wrong, has just been shot by a disgruntled mistress. Yeah. <laughs> and does bring, not press charges. Bring us up to speed as quick as you can with his parlayed one fortune into another. He's yeah. become a landowner, mine owner, racehorse owner. Richest guy in California, yeah, yeah. biggest employer, biggest landowner. Rolled a bank. Yeah, yeah. rolled a bank. He's, everything's gone well for him yeah. except for his partner. So he's, his wife had passed away. It turns out he had a mistress who he dumped. She shoots him. Yeah. He manages to uh, live through that, shoots sure. him in the arm. She finally leaves all the state. Yeah. And you're threatening, you're suggesting, you, your cliffhanger ending was he may get shot again. He may get shot again. 1884, he's just been shot the year before. So this is only <laughs> one year afterwards. Okay. Right? He marries a 16-year-old, dark-haired, dark-eyed girl called Lily Bennett. Which who, we reiterate was legal at the time. Legal at the time, but she had a striking resemblance to Jeannie. The, the one he loved. The one he loved mm-hmm. and who died of tuberculosis. Now, he's 56 at the time. So that's she's 16, he's 56. For the late 1800s, that's, uh, that's about yeah. 102, I reckon. Yeah, so there's a fair age gap. This gives you an idea of how now if a 56-year-old marries a 16-year-old, you don't get positive press. <laughs> the San Francisco Call newspaper reported that a 56-year-old Lucky was agile in every movement and buoyant in his spirits as he married his new 16-year-old bride. I bet he was. <laughs> so this uh, new woman, Lily Bennett, this is what they write about her. This new made bride, Miss Lily C. Bennett, is his junior by some 40 years. She is a pretty demi-brunette, a petite figure and winsome ways. <laughs> the only daughter of the old 49er, A.A. Bennett, the architect who planned the state capital at Sacramento. So that's the media on his new wedding. It's everything you need to know. He hires his new bride's father to design a honeymoon cottage for Lily near the ranch's main house. He would have been wrapped with that assignment. (laughs) He's pretty conservative, I would imagine. That's pretty weird to ask your father-in-law to build you a love shack for your new 
for your 16 year old daughter for a 56 year old right it's messed up on a lot of levels yeah, it is and uh the, you gotta hang around you can push my bottom up and down too <laughs> the cottage is for entertaining only it has no kitchen so it's just a pure yeah loathing um he spared no expense in the construction of it or the furnishing of this building like it's meant to be amazing the love shack yeah in 1886, Lily never really got to use this cottage, right? Okay. The Los Angeles Times wrote, for a year after she married Baldwin, the little girl was queen of the ranch. Then, however, came a change. The ever-fickle Lucky found a new affinity, which means he found another woman. Another woman. Yeah, right. Not only that, while this is all going just a year into their marriage, Lucky is slapped with a breach of promise lawsuit by yet another teenage girl. So that means you promised to marry someone and, and you reneged, and it was a legal. That was a big thing at the time. Was it? That could get you in yeah. all. The New York Herald writes, so okay. this is how big all They've this stuff in. in. Like So in the New York media or thing, they say, scarcely had a bridegroom got accustomed to each other's society when still another slim brunette appeared on the scene with a thunderbolt in the shape of a complaint and a marriage contract. This time the name of the woman was Louise Perkins. She was 19, but she was 16 when she started seeing Lucky. Yeah. Um, a bit long in the tooth at 19, I would have thought. <laughs> she was seeking half a million dollars for this breach of promise. She testified that she entered into a written contract of marriage with Mr Baldwin in 1883 at his Baldwin Hotel. She was 16 at the time and under law she was allowed to make the contract. Her testimony was he told me that he was worth $6 million and asked me to marry him. <laughs> the young lass recounted that thereafter she and Mr. Baldwin went to Sacramento alone and stopped at the Golden Eagle Hotel one night together. And this is her testimony in yes. court. He said that we were the same as married and that it made no difference as we would be married soon. Yeah, okay. That's, um, that's some uh, fast talk in there. Yeah. Lucky. Asked by one of her attorneys if she had been perfectly chased until after the contract with the defendant, she responded, yes, sir. So the whole court case is about, about taking a virginity. Yeah, and whether she was a loose woman before it. And this is the terms they use at the time. Um, the next day she was being cross-examined and one of the things that Baldwin says is that she was a woman of ill repute because once she'd bought home a friend lily king who he found out she was a woman of the town oh lily king eh so he's saying look she's hanging out with these sort of people in his testimony he said miss perkins went out a great deal i don't know where and that she'd go to masquerades and dinner parties and he was just suggesting she was promiscuous okay another witness that was virgil erp brother virgil erp of wider no way he oh, testifies. I'm glad Wyatt wasn't called Virgil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mystique about Virgil Earp. Doesn't he, sound the same, does it? He testified Miss Perkins he saw several times at the Colton <laughs> house, which had a bad reputation. She was often in the company of other men and she lived in a house of prostitution not over 140 feet from the hotel. So he basically said, this is in court, she's a prostitute. <laughs> Nothing's changed, has it? This, no. this could be last week. Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. same grounds. You've besmirched the woman. That's it. He once said, I had a brother who used to sleep with her. He told me so. This is in court, he's saying this. Yeah. Lucky's lawyer tells the court, she went to the ranch already ruined. If she was innocent <laughs> and pure, we could disbelieve Baldwin, but she had was developed into a harlot. 
that's a peculiarity of the country girls here. They lose their virginity and never think anything of it. So they totally uh, go the Your Honour. Yeah. He loses anyway. She's awarded $75,000. He appeals it and gets it down to 15000 right? Lily, his current new wife, while this is all going I on. I thought Lily was the friend. No, that was another one. There's a few Lilies. But <laughs> Lily was a popular He's currently wife who he was building the house for yeah. and he's only been married less than a year. Uh, she leaves to San Francisco. They never divorce. They remain friendly, but he basically says, I'll put you up in San Francisco with all the money you could want. Yeah, just go quiet. I'm sorry and go quiet. So she does that and he starts to live more and more at the ranch. His new honeymoon cottage couldn't be used mm. for what he wanted. It became nicknamed Baldwin's Belvedere and turned into a guest house and basically served as Lucky's love shack. <laughs> now his daughter Anita is now five days shy of her 16th birthday in 1892. Oh, that's just trouble time. And she secretly marries George W. Baldwin, <laughs> a cousin, oh. on a tugboat outside the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Now, her cousin, who's 25-year-old, he was a clerk at Baldwin Hotel and Lucky was away at the Santa Anita rank when they eloped. So she's much like her dad. Okay. The news travels like wildfire. He doesn't know, but the papers all pick up on it and they write headlines about her eloping after all Lucky's problems. One of the headlines in the St. Paul's Daily Globe in Minnesota is, Love laughs at Lucky. And the New York Times headline says, Lucky Baldwin's daughter, Anita, mated against his wishes. Wow. <laughs> they really wrote you differently know, then. I hope she's married because I'd hate her to be ruined. <laughs> exactly. Now, they return home. They can't go to the Baldwin Hotel where he worked because the dad was so angry, but Lucky was so angry. So they moved to San Francisco and he gets a job. George, the cousin, is not sure what's going to happen. San Francisco call writes an article about whether the father will forgive them. It didn't take too long because the San Francisco call announces the old millionaire fell ill several days ago and when the girl, his daughter, Anita, learned that he was sick, she went to his bedside to wait upon him as she used to. The reconciliation between them is said to be complete and the old man will forgive George for carrying off his favourite. Now that same year, Lucky, his other daughter, Clara, his older ones, she divorces her first husband and marries the second. Right. So they're much like the rest of them. Yep. Now, in 1893, just two years later, Lucky sued again with another breach of promise lawsuit. Jesus. This time by a woman named Lillian Ashley, who accused him of fathering a child, another. He fights back with 14 lawyers. He said, I want a reputation of being hard to collect from. If anyone wants anything out of me for any purpose, they'll have to sue. <laughs> He says that his national reputation as a philanderer was well-deserved. He doesn't deny it. He claims, my public reputation is such that every woman who comes near me must have been warned in advance. So that's his defence. That's his defence. You snooze, you lose. Yeah. If you you hook up with me, you know what I'm like. You get what you deserve. And if it goes badly, then it's on you, not me. Right? While the case is being heard, they're all sitting in court. And he's sitting at the bench, you know, next to his lawyer, you know, like you see. Lillian's sister, Emma Ashley, creeps up behind Elias, pulls out a heavy revolver and fires the gun just a few inches from his head. Fortunately for Lucky, her hand jerks as she fires and the bullet goes into the courtroom wall, but it singes the hair on the side of his head. (laughs) 
In court. In court. This is great. So he's been shot at and almost killed twice. And it's only because she just missed. By women. Yeah, by women. After she shoots, there's a struggle for possession of the weapon during which the attorneys for both parties came near shooting each other. <laughs> so order. 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 <laughs> so the trial continues into his of breach of it promise. Does. You wouldn't stop it for that. But there's also another trial up in San Francisco. One's in LA, <laughs> one's in San Francisco for the attempted murder by Emma Ashley. Yeah. So he's having to go to the two court cases. Emma Ashley's acquitted on the charge of attempted murder on the grounds of insanity. Okay. She's off to. A, a, I thought you were going to say on the grounds it was justified. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. A trial of him breach of promise, Baldwin's lawyer introduced testimony showing that Miss Ashley had been intimate with other men and was an adventurous. An adventurous is a Victorian-era term for a prostitute. I love the Victorian-era. Yeah. They kind of alluded to stuff. Yeah. Judge Slack, in his decision, <laughs> says that the unfortunate woman had no claims in the law, no matter how sad her story, yeah. as she was shown to have been somewhat of an adventurous, although not the degraded creature that Baldwin's attorney <laughs> made her out to be. Although she had been ruined. <laughs> this is how they talk in these days. And I don't Cruel expect my this. girlfriends to have gone to finishing school, but you, you, I you don't very... like to think that they're ruined. I'm going to start asking a woman. You're not an adventurous <laughs> by any have, chance, are you? Before we go on a date, <laughs> you've been ruined. How do you think that would go down? <laughs> Oh, God. That's hard to do it just to see how you go. Just to see how well that works. You'll get shot. That's the first thing you should say in Tinder when (laughs) someone slides into your DMs. Now, in 1898, on November 22nd at 3.20 a.m., a fire starts in the basement of the Baldwin Hotel and shoots upward right through to the roof. Can I stop you there? Disgruntled mistress? (laughs) We don't think it is. We think this is an accident. thank God. The San Francisco call reported in a very few minutes the firemen were at the scene, the ladders placed with inconceivable rapidity against the side of the building. The shadowy figures of men mounted the ladders while a thousand voices gave vent to tremendous cheers as one life was saved from the building. They reported that Lucky was racing around like a madman asking for someone to retrieve something from his room and they thought it might be insurance papers or something, but it turned out to be a set of gold-mounted harnesses for a horse valued at over $7,000. Many were injured and two people died. It's one of the biggest fires that they've had. The day after the fire, the Sacramento Daily Union reported the Baldwin Hotel for almost 30 years, one of the principal landmarks of San Francisco is no more. It's a huge blow for Lucky because he spent $3 million building it and he hadn't insured it. I thought you were going to say it started the Great Fire of San Francisco. So, so I'm if he is later, the Great Fire of San Francisco does occur, yeah. and they see this as sort of a precursor, a precursor. like a warning that they Should ignored because it burnt down a whole block. Yeah. In 1900, so two years after that, the Baldwin family, including Anita and her husband George, moved down to their ranch mm. and they get out of San Francisco and they're now down in L.A., George Anita's husband had purchased several racehorses. He was attempting to get closer to his father-in-law by getting into racing. And he took his stable to the East Coast, hoping to earn some quick cash. And he returned to annulment papers as Anita filed for divorce on the ground of diversion. Wow. She said he deserted me, even though he told her I'm going here to earn money. Pretty litigious. Yeah, yeah. They They didn't muck around. Now, she really was filing for the grounds of divorce because she'd met a guy called Hull McGlurty who's a Democrat and a Harvard Law grad who she'd fallen for. So mm-hmm. she'd hooked up with this other guy. 
Lucky's a dyed-in-the-wool Republican and he hates the idea of a Democrat more than marrying a cousin. <laughs> so he's furious with Anita. He's aware that Anita's been ruined? Well, yeah, he doesn't care. Now, Anita went so far as to attempt a conversation with her father before he knows she's with Hull. Right. Saying, you should support his campaign. And he was outraged about this. And he says she gave him a campaign poster of Hull. And he says to some friends of his, well, I just tore that picture up in small bits and gave her to understand that I did not want any Democratic ads around here where I was. And what's more, made it plain to her that she had better overlook the original two, meaning him, or there'd be something doing. And he asked Anita to do nothing hasty. And she said, I promise you I won't. So he then travels to the gold fields of Nome, Alaska, determined to do some stuff after the fire, to earn some more money. Yeah. And the second she leaves, Anita elopes <laughs> for the second time, <laughs> 20 days after she's divorced George. Good on her. Lucky goes to Alaska thinking, I need to make more money because he's still got lots of money, but the fire's cost him yeah. a bit. And he hears that Alaska is now taking off. Right. With gold frontier land yeah so he he decides i'm i'm gonna go up there he arrives in Nome. he takes up gambling equipment two ready cut frame houses supplies and equipments for a saloon he thinks i'm going to repeat what i did earlier here we go again upon his arrival though he has trouble buying good sight for somewhere to do he can't find any worthwhile mine prospects and he's just too late the gold rush is dying down up there this time his luck doesn't hold up there and he falls into terrible health and he's so sick that he has to go back to California. He's accompanied by a young woman rumoured to be an adventuress. <laughs> but it turns out she's not for once. It's his nurse. He's that sick. He needs a nurse. Yeah. He reached Seattle. He's so ill that he has to be removed from the boat. He's taken back by train to recuperate. All of his property he took up to Alaska has been confiscated by crooked officials on a phony charge of tax evasion. Oh, wow. Fortunately, David Unrah, the son of his advisor, he'd been up in Alaska and he manages to pay people off to get it all back, including White Earp helps him out. What about Virgil Earp? <laughs> he's still the, What's he's, he doing? He's not up there at this point. Now, he decides, well, I'm just going to focus on the ranch now. He starts to get better. It's his cash cow. He recovers. He gets his better. nest egg. He's 73, though, at this point. Jeez. That is ancient. He decides to make the Santa Anita ranch like his permanent home and the economy is improving. People are starting to come to California again in waves and he decides, well, I can start selling some of this stuff off. He organises for a train line to be put down there, which helps out immensely, and he starts to decide I'm going to build a town of my own. Around the orchard, around the the ranch. Sell off part of the ranch near his home and make it a town. Yeah. He asks for a petition to incorporate this town site into a municipality to make it an official town. Yeah. It's called Arcadia. Now, he's accused of illegally inflating population figures <laughs> to get this up. <laughs> Instantly, there's an outcry because he's morally seen as a very dodgy man in sure. many ways. He's got the casino in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. He's marrying 16-year-olds. He's being shot. shot twice. They're like, you can't give this man a town, his opponents. <laughs> People said he wanted to create the city only for the purposes of ribaldry, racing, gambling, and gaming. Hello. 
You had me at Roy Baldry. Others said in the Los Angeles Times that he wanted to turn the city into a gambling hell and booze pleasure park. <laughs> that's what it says on their number plates. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this is brilliant. I'm happy. I'd like oh. to live in a booze pleasure park. Right, I would. <laughs> His opponents form an anti-saloon league just to oppose him. Baldwin promises the county supervisors that he's got no intention of establishing a town for the fostering of horse racing, gambling and other kindred vices. He says, nothing could be further from my mind. I am an honest guy. Don't worry. The county authorises an incorporation election to be held to vote whether it becomes a town. 39 voters turn out to support cityhood for Acadia. When the local newspapers print a complete list of those who voted in the first election, it turns out 75% of the names were readily identifiable as Baldwin's relatives, business associations <laughs> and employees. So he's yeah. just totally stitched yeah, it up. A couple of local drunks. Hull, the Democrat, his son-in-law, yeah. who he hasn't really liked at this point, practices law and suddenly his father finds him useful in uh, getting yeah. this cityhood up okay. and he's put on the five person board of trustees and Baldwin is elected as the city's first mayor. (laughs) So he's now mayor of his own town and as mayor, one of Acadia's first ordinances was for licensing the sale of alcohol (laughs) and Baldwin's oldest daughter gets the first liquor license. It's like the Trump family, you know. It's very Trumpy. Very, straight away. He creates the Hotel Oakwood, which is a beautiful hotel there that he did. Suddenly, it flourishes with alcohol, saloons, and gambling halls remaining open 24 hours a day. Are there any adventurous? <laughs> There's lots of adventurous. I would have thought so. This is like he's sworn that he wouldn't do this. Yeah. And then the minute he gets it approved, he doesn't even like let a bit of time go by and make it look like The guy's like old. Yeah, he's, he's going, he's I like, don't have time done. to muck around. Let's just build my Valhalla yeah. here on Earth. Right now. Right Let's now. Like, yeah. So the... Tourism and entertainment are the economy there. Gambling, alcohol, bowling, boxing, horse and dog <laughs> racing and musical comedies. Oh, jeez. Oh, this is unbelievable. Yeah. The city quickly acquired a reputation for being flamboyant and rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> In 1907, the only thing he hadn't done in Arcadia is build a race course. And racing was very popular, but the city of Los Angeles had just prohibited it. Yeah. And Lucky's land is technically is now part of Los Angeles, but at the time it was outside the Los Angeles borders. And so that meant that the big racetrack in LA, Ascot Park, had to close because they'd banned it in LA. And all the wealthy backers went, where are we going to have a new racetrack? Mm. And Lucky made the job very easy for them. <laughs> he said, we'll set up a new Los Angeles Racing Association. You can buy the 151 acres off me at $1,000 an acre, and you can set up the race course there. Now, part of the sale also included, for Lucky, 1,000 shares of stock in the new racetrack, which made him the largest stockholder as well. So he sold it and still ended up the largest (laughs) stockholder. It opened for racing in December of 1907. On opening day, 7,000 people showed up. Yeah. Baldwin put slot machines, roulette wheels in the lobby. There were rooms for poker games. Bars sold Baldwin's wines and brandies. <laughs> and in the rear of the hotel, there was a boxing ring. Oh, fantastic. Baldwin's reaction was to say, this is the grandest thing I've ever done and I am satisfied. Wyatt Earp becomes a frequenter at the racetrack. Good. 
and he and his wife, Josephine, get married on Baldwin's yacht. <laughs> so he's achieved his lifelong dream. He's got everything. And he's now got the famous Santa Anita Park built. Mm-hmm. In 1909, in the last few years of his life, he starts aggressively pursuing all these new opportunities. In fact, he puts a trust deed over his entire holdings to get a million-dollar loan that he wants to use to buy more businesses. It's all still pushing. Right to the end. And he's spending his time with his daughters and his children and a bevy of mistresses, it's reported. (laughs) They know what they're getting into. They know know his reputation. In February 1909, he contracts the flu which rapidly develops into pneumonia. And in March of that year, with his family's side, the 81-year-old Elias J. Baldwin dies at his beloved Santa Anita Ranch. After his funeral, the San Francisco Examiner reporter Al Joy wrote, his was the only funeral of a famous man I've ever covered where not a sob was heard nor a tear seen. As one observer remarked, Baldwin had friends, but they were outnumbered by his enemies. (laughs) Now, his death proves to be the beginning of a few things rather than the end. Oh, okay. Just before his death, in the month before his death, but he barely was aware of this, California bans racing. And that results in the permanent closure of the Baldwin's racetrack and it burns down in 1912. Right. Arcadia falls on hard times in the decade that follows. Prohibition is announced. It becomes a battlefield for no bootleggers. No racing, no yeah. alcohol. Bootleggers and vice squads. So they have their mini sort of Chicago Al Capone yeah. thing in Arcadia. By 1920, Arcadia, though, had started to clean itself up. It boasted public gas, electricity, telephone services. It had a library, a church, a bank. It had all of this. But one thing it did get back is horse racing. On the same site, the current Santa Anita racetrack was built. 2013 the city of Arcadia installed a nine-foot bronze statue of Lucky Baldwin entitled (laughs) A Dawn in the West, and it's now at the southern gate of the Santa Anita Park racetrack. It's a fitting tribute. It's a fitting tribute. After his death, his estate was managed by his long-term friend and advisor, Hiram Unrah. Now, prior to his death, Elias had worked hard to draw up a will that would be impervious to attack. (laughs) It still took four years of litigation for it to be settled because straight away there was a huge amount of out of wedlock children that came out of the woodwork. They reckon there was at least seven kids he had outside yeah, of wedlock. Keen for a chop out. Yeah. Lillian Ashley, his, her sister had tried to shoot him, remember? Yes. She came out and claimed that they'd been secretly married to try and get some of the inheritance. Yeah. Unra, though, shepherds the settlement so successfully through all of these legal challenges and manages the land so well after Lucky's death. In those four years, he doubles the value of it and all the money goes to Anita and Clara Baldwin, his two Great. daughters, and it came in at $20 million. His widow, Lily Baldwin, still up in San Francisco, she got $500,000. Still a lot of money. Not a, Still a lot at the time but not as much as the others. Anita inherited the Santa Anita Ranch and her and Hull start spending time there. But that marriage too founded. Anita filed a divorce on grounds of cruelty. She testified that she and her husband quarrelled so often over the cost of living as a result of his economical ideas that her health became impaired, the New York Times reported. Basically, she wanted to spend all the money and he wanted to like run it properly. Right. Yeah. So she got rid of him, paid him off $300,000 and celebrating her freedom from him, she proceeded to a San Francisco drooler and dropped 
$225,000 on a string of pearls and built a 50-room mansion in Arcadia that she'd lived there till her death in 1939. Hull returned to his hometown in Sacramento, but Anita dropped his surname and their kids and went back to Baldwin. Mm. And then both of their children followed her mother's footsteps by marrying by elopement. So even the next generation of This it. was the era for eloping. Yeah, right? a lot of eloping. A lot of eloping going on. Anita closed the resort in Lake Tahoe in 1990 because it pumped sewerage into the lake and it was falling apart, so she just knocked the buildings down. Right. She then starts selling off a lot of the ranch over and over again. She just sells it out. Now, a small part of the ranch, his house mm. and his love shack yes. that he built, they were preserved at the Los Angeles County Arboreum there, the Botanical Gardens yes. there, and are still there to are this they there day. Today? They're still there to oh, this I'm going to go and see them. Yeah, and the can, statue. You can go them. to his love shack still. I'll see the nine-foot statue at yeah. the racetrack. Is yeah. it still at the racetrack? still there, yeah. And I can go to his love shack? Love shack. Oh, it's still there. Right. And can the you house. Stay there? And that's, oh, I don't know if you can stay there, but you can go there. The Bourbon Hills Mountain Range was named after him. It's an affluent neighbourhood of South Los Angeles now. The city of Baldwin Park, the Baldwin Stakes at Santa Anita is a race, the Baldwin Village neighbourhood, Baldwin Lake is all named after him. There's a Baldwin Beach at Lake Tahoe as well and Baldwin Avenue in the San Gabriel Valley still there. So he's everywhere. Three pubs are named after him in that area. <laughs> that's, the high, that's how you know that's you've it. achieved something in your life. Now, even in his death, Baldwin was lucky, <laughs> even dead. So he had, as part of this big ranch, some sheep pastures and when he died, as part of the estate, they were assessed as being worthless because sheep was no yeah. longer what it once was. Oh, my God. But his daughter, two daughters still own the sheep yes. plants. They become the Montebello oil oh, fields that produce one-eighth of the crude oil in California and become one of the biggest oil fields in the West and are worth millions and millions of dollars. Oh, they both made excellent money out of this, the daughters. So even that, he was sitting yeah. on a gold mine even when he did this. Now, the discovery of how oil was found closes a loop for us here. So Walter Workman, the son whose dad had killed himself from the Workman Bank, yes. remember he bought some of the yes. land? Now his son, so the grandson of the yeah. one that killed himself, so Walter Workman the, you know, who bought the land, he was six years old when the bank failed and 10 when his father died. Now his son one day in 1912 is nine, the great grandson of William Workman. After a bit of rain, he went out onto one of the hills and he stopped down to pick up some poppies and saw a tiny pool of rainwater and it had this weird rainbow colour on it and smelt of gas. And he went and got his dad and his dad came back and found the oil and they got rich. Wow. So after the bank closing, <laughs> he, had, he was back in it. Now, Baldwin's Belvedere, the love shack that's still there, um, it was packed up after his death and fell in disrepair and then was restored as part of the botanical gardens there. It's across the road from the Santa Anita racetrack to this day. And it's next to Baldwin Lake, which many people would know, even if they don't know they know it. Johnny uh, Wassamula swam in Baldwin Lake for three decades as Tarzan. It was used for the <laughs> filming of Tarzan. But most famously, Baldwin's Belvedere, the love shack, is known as the house of Fantasy Island. What's and the lake was where Stop the pontoon it. plane would land to deliver the guests. Uh, so the plane, the plane. You got me now. You've got me. So it's still known. It was used as the it's the house of Fantasy <laughs> Island. 
Well, now I'm going to have to go and fish out the whole episode of Fantasy Island. Now, to wrap this up, the final thing is Baldwin has left one legacy beyond all of this, Mm. which is so many, one legacy that continues to affect this area of Los Angeles to this day and run dry it, and that is peacocks. (laughs) About 250 of the birds still live in the area and most people hate them. (laughs) During the day, they make this noise that sounds like a yow and people say it sounds like a woman in distress. <laughs> At sunset, when they come home to roost in the trees, their call and response escalated into a full-blown, someone described it as a symphony of Muppets. <laughs> they leave poo everywhere, they muck up gardens, yeah. they do everything. They often, someone once said, they have violent dreams. Peacocks often wake up and scream what sounds like, help, help. <laughs> and so it's absolutely annoying. Cities have spent enormous amounts of time, energy, and money trying to control the birds <laughs> and placating both the pro and anti peacock yeah, yeah. contingents in the town. They've also spread to many other places in Los Angeles. And while not all of them can be linked to Baldwin directly, <laughs> almost all of them can. And that oh. is the story of Lucky Baldwin. Even his peacock had mistresses. It's like um, Pablo Escobar and the hippos. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get to one day. <laughs> Can I just say this? A lot of the themes of the stories you bring me, like these yeah. guys are wild, larger than life characters. Yeah. But gee, they got shit done. Oh, they, yeah, so, yeah. So they really got stuff done. Yeah, yeah. Which is remarkable because all of them, they're not mucking around. No. Nah. And they're, they're up to something. And I just admire. <laughs> Regardless of the weaknesses of their character or their. <laughs> Which thing. is a lot with Lucky. But you got to go. He had a crack. He lived a life. He lived a life. He's not dying wondering. Yeah. I would have thought. So next time you see a race from the Santa Anita Park, yes. the Breeders' Cup, you know. that is how it came to be. That is the work uh, of a great man. Thank you once again, (laughs) Titus O'Reilly. If you're interested, we do have a membership program. That gets you a bonus podcast every week. And to maybe incentivize you to join up, here's a short outtake from our bonus episode. Siegfried Siegfried and Roy, Roy, yeah. Man, I'm not a fan of magic, but I would give anything to have been there that night. night, Watch a white tiger hold on to him. (laughs) Finally get his revenge. Yeah, you know what? Uh, this has been fun, guys, uh, but I have to point out this has been brewing for some time. Honk. They play a long game, the White Tiger. Oh, mate, they, can, they remember. They do three shows a day for just 30 a, years and then they... What about a sideways look? You they know what? Lull, lull it's just occurred to me. Too. I don't need this. Honk. I'm a tiger. I'm a tiger and you are wide open He right never now. really fully recovered from that either, I don't think. They came back to work us up, but I don't think he ever was back to his full self. Imagine if you'd taken your kids there that night. They, they would have thought that happens every night. Yeah. Well, can yeah. we go back again? You would have convinced can we, them. Can we go back again? Watch the, the magician get mauled? Mm, it's a one-off, son. If you were there that night, you'd have been the only one doing a standing ovation oh, while no. <laughs> I've been trying to work out how they did it. <laughs> Gee, it looks so realistic. And that's a short clip from our bonus episode each week for members who join our Bazaar Plus program. Simply go to the link in the show notes or go to bazaarplus.com. 